It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> roll, roll, Rocky! <laughs> We're going through a trauma right now. That's not a nice thing to do to your friend. Hi, pals. Welcome to Coastal Blast, the anti-sourdough podcast. Listen. <laughs> Listen, we're simple people. We would like some plain flour. We want the flour to make pancakes. And maybe some cookies. And or... maybe some brownies. You know, essential items. And in the shops in Edinburgh, all of the plain flour is gone. We know this from the Edinburgh subreddit. And I also know from everyone's Instagram that there's a new kid on the block and his name is Sourdough. And so we looked up the recipe for sourdough because we like to be a part of things in life. We want to understand the zeitgeist. Why else would we, why else would we be podcasters? We're hip and we're happening. And so we looked up the recipe for sourdough and lo and behold, I've found where all the plain flour has been going. Where is it going, Shannon? It's going to the mother culture. <laughs> As sacrifice. I, I've said multiple times now that no recipe should include the words mother culture. Or belch. Or belch, as this recipe did. Yeah. The sourdough is a monster. Yeah. It's a living thing. That you breed in a jar in your kitchen and you sacrifice... Like 250 grams of flour to it every day for almost two weeks. And for what? A sort of sick tasting regular bread. Yeah. Listen, listen, friends. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. There's not a bread shortage. We're fine as, as a nation for bread. Yeah. I assume that this craze is also. You know, well, I know it's happening in Vancouver because it's exactly the sort of place where sourdough makers live. Yeah. They're keeping it on the shelf by their uh, kombucha culture. Yeah, to all our Vancouver friends, we know what you're doing. Yeah. We see you. We do. But there, there is going to be a bread shortage if they keep on taking their flour and unnecessarily feeding it to the mother culture. Yeah. Just make regular bread or buy bread. You can do those things. There's so many things you can do in quarantine, like jigsaws. Or learning to play the lute. Yeah. Making a lute out of jigsaw pieces. And learning to play that. Learning to play the jigsaw. Yeah. You've got options. Start a podcast. <laughs> don't do that. We don't want any competitors. Yeah. <laughs> We've discovered podcasting, and we would like to corner the market yeah, forever. The yeah, because we started this podcast last autumn. Yeah. And now everyone's like, oh, look at me, make a podcast. Yeah. Oh, I'll just record my thoughts, even if they're dumb. Unlike us who research our thoughts before we say them. We have hard-hitting journalistic takes on sourdough bread and fudge. Our takes are almost too hot. Yeah. They're spicy takes. Mm-hmm. Oh. You need to have a glass of milk with our takes. Yeah. Yeah. But don't be buying 
oat milk because Shannon needs that. I do, yeah. We're already running low on plain flour. I'm lactose intolerant, so I do need oat milk. We have been going through milk fairly quickly because we have been making those fancy whipped coffees, which require quite a bit of milk. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's a sort of a similar thing to the sourdough people. Well, we're actually just drinking the milk, though. With sourdough, you have to throw out a bunch of the mother culture once a day. Oh, do And you? feed it again. That's where all the flour is going. And that seems wasteful to me. We what's just drink culture, our milk. What's the mother culture doing when you throw it out? Just continuing to live her life? I think so. Growing? Learning? Yeah. Adapting? Watching? Yeah. Waiting? Mm-hmm. Plotting? What is she planning? What is she doing? You don't think of this when you throw out your mother culture. No. It's just collecting in the sewers. Preparing. Yeah. We think that after this pandemic is over, we're going to be able to like peacefully return to something resembling normal life. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to be hit instantly with the mega mother. The mega mother culture. And who will save us? Spider-Man? He seems busy. I don't think Spider-Man has the skills needed to go up against a giant thing of dough. Yeah. None of us do because we've not been, um, we've been losing all our muscle because we've been inside. Yeah. And no one's thought about this. No one apart from us. We're deep thinkers. We are. We think deep thoughts. About monsters. Absolutely. In this case, sourdough. Yeah. Speaking of monsters. Speaking of monsters, we were supposed to do something this week and we didn't do it. We sort of went most way to doing the thing. If you actually listened to our Annie episode, you will have heard us talk about doing a, a Tangled versus Frozen comparison episode where we acknowledge that they're probably blessed films, but we put them up against each other and see how well they do in um, in, in hand-to-hand combat. So we did watch both movies. Had a great time. And yeah, it was excellent. Fully blessed, both films. Maybe too blessed. And that was where the problems began. So we watched Tangled and Frozen, and then we we prepared to record, uh, and then it became clear that we had absolutely nothing to say. We had some very technical things to say about cinematography mm-hmm. and musical theatre yeah. and, and, and feminism. Yeah. And Norwegian culture. Yeah. And uh, fairy tale adaptations and Disney villains as a, a character type. And anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you guys aren't here for that. You aren't here for our our measured critique. We're not blessed or blessed. Yeah. What are we thinking? We're cursed or blessed, baby. Yeah, we can't watch good movies. We can't watch a film and enjoy ourselves. Yeah, that's illegal. And I think after Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, we were too, we flew too close to the sun after that. We thought we could watch a blessed film. And I think we were so, we were, we were so, especially you, like damaged from watching Annie. Yeah. That we wanted to have something joyful in our lives and we were wrong. Yeah, we shouldn't we, have done it. We had too much joy 
and then it made us boring. It, so we didn't record the episode, we didn't finish recording the episode, and we thought, let's just watch something that's going to make our eyes bleed, <laughs> and our ears bleed, and and make us want to die. So we've watched not one, but two early 2000s Scooby-Doo films. Mm, if you're familiar with our podcast, you will know that the early 2000s are maybe peak cast. <laughs> I think some of the worst things we've watched are from our own childhoods in the early 2000s. I'm talking 98 through 2003. Yeah. This is a bad, bad time. <laughs> bad time. Dark times, my friends. And I wonder how it has psychologically affected us, having grown up in this era. Yeah, and also, just before I forget, big shout out to my cousin Lewis. Hi Lewis, happy birthday. <laughs> Wait, it probably I'm probably not going to have this edited by the time it's his birthday, let me check my... You know, maybe. <laughs> That's aspirational. Uh, well, happy birthday whenever, whenever you listen to this, Lewis. Uh, who recommended that we watch Scooby-Doo? Because he listened to our Cat in the Hat episode and he was like... Mm, maybe it was a bad film, but you know what's probably worse? Scooby-Doo 2002. He makes... He makes a strong argument. Yeah. And it was... He was right. It was a good recommendation. Why... Why Why make the Scooby-Doo movie? Oh my god. If you're not familiar with Scooby-Doo, then... Why aren't you? Yeah. It's... If you're not, and you're still listening, well, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for clicking this episode titled Scooby-Doo. <laughs> um, Scooby, Scooby-Doo is a dog, uh, a cartoon dog from the past. I don't know when it, when the cartoon started. There were many different like, iterations of the cartoon. Was it the 60s that it started? Yeah, there was one. The 60s? That's the way they're dressed. Yeah. While you look that up, Scooby-Doo is a dog and he's part of a gang of teen detectives. And they solve mysteries in like tiny little episodes. They're very cute, um, and they go to like a haunted house or a secret lab or whatever uh, that's being haunted or plagued by some kind of ghost. And they uh, collect clues. And um, eventually, at the end of the episode, it's revealed that it's not a real ghost because ghosts aren't real, and it's actually uh, some random pervert that lives in the haunted house and likes to scare young women, is usually the case. And Scooby-Doo is a buffoon of a dog and the titular character uh, of the entire franchise. And they made a movie out of this in 2002. So th there's many, um, many Scooby-Doo series. The one that I watched as a kid was reruns of the 1969 Scooby-Doo Where Are You cartoon, which is the like iconic look of all the characters, which yeah. is why they all look like they're from the 60s. Um, but there there was a couple others that I remember watching as a kid. They're um, basically always making some Scooby-Doo content. There was What's New Scooby-Doo that was mm. airing around the same time that these movies came out. Oh, I do remember What's New Scooby-Doo. There was... Featuring our favorite boy, Scrappy-Doo. That is uh, Scooby-Doo's nephew, who's a very annoying little dog. Yes. Uh, yeah, and there, there were several movies. Um, there's new ones coming out all the time. There's one for, for kids today. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a classic. I would say it's had, it's had lots of different animators lots of different actors involved in it it's had a good life and it's time to be time to put it down yeah 
Um, they should have put it down prior to 2002. <laughs> they made it's a live action movie um, with a CGI dog and CGI monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a sequel, Scooby Doo Monsters Unleashed. So, just for context before we dive into this, we were only planning to watch Scooby Doo number one, 2002, and we were so traumatized. That Shannon said, I kind of want to watch Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. And I was like, oh, do you? Do you now? All right, let's fucking do it. And I stared you down and I turned it on. It and then we watched it. the worst game of chicken I've ever lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad we watched both of them. I think it gives us the full picture yep. of, of the horror of these movies. I'm I'm glad we watched the second one because it's set in Vancouver. Not set in Vancouver. It's filmed in Vancouver where we both lived for two years. Yeah. Loved um, it. So that was that was fun to see some some spots that we knew. Yeah. And that might be the last good thing I have to say about the experience. <laughs> <laughs> so Mystery Inc., this group of teen detectives. Um, teen slash definitely not teens in the movies anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're meant to be teens in the movies. To be fair, like you get the sense that they're they're very far into their mystery solving career. Yeah, and all of the stuff that happened in the cartoons appears to be canon in the movie universe. Yeah, but they still dress like they're from the sixties. They do, even though these movies are set in the early two thousands. Yes. So all the background characters look like they um like side characters in Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> and then you've got like Daphne wearing her like nearly thigh high boots in some scenes. Yeah. And like a stupid little headband. Fred's got his neckerchief. Yeah. You know? He's wearing flares. <laughs> They're all wearing bell bottom jeans <laughs> in the first one. I don't remember if they are in the second one too, but like anytime any of them wear pants in the first movie, they've got bell bottoms. Yeah, yeah, they 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 modernize in the second one. Yeah. Um. So of of the team, we have the the leader Fred, who is played by Freddie Prince Jr. Fred's personality is that he does planning. Yeah. And doesn't do much of it. He just tells them to split up and look for clues. Other than that, he is. Just some man. Yeah, he's uh, he's got the least personality of any of them, I think. Fred is the worst one. Yeah, and I kind of think that that holds true in the cartoon as well. Yeah, I think maybe in the cartoon the next worst one is probably Daphne, mm. who is... A girl. And that's her personality, you guys. Yes. She gets captured a lot. Um, in the movie, Daphne's played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Which is weird. Who is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for those who <laughs> don't know. Uh, who I quite like as an actress. But this was, this was an odd cast for her and I think affected the decisions they made for her character. Yep. That they cast Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't... There's not really a ton to say about Daphne initially. She's very into fashion. She gets captured. 
Then we have Velma, who is the smart one. She is blind without her glasses. And that is her personality. Yes. Smart and bad at seeing things with her eyeballs. Yes. Uh, because it, the thing about the intelligence is that the more smart you get, the worse your eyes are. Mm-hmm. Because you're staring at words on a page too long. You know? Yeah. The further I get into my PhD, the more of an absolute despicable dork I'm becoming. It's just My eyes are just messed up now, you know? Well, exactly. I'm getting velmed by the day. Mm, That's true. Sadly. And then we have Shaggy... The the actor who plays Shaggy in these movies also voices Shaggy in several of the cartoon versions. Yeah, and that was off the back of his success in this movie. <laughs> in those bell bottoms. It's trouble that no, I think like it wasn't a super uh, well received movie, but I did read that people were impressed by his Shaggy voice, so he lived to shag another day. It's true, all of his... He wasn't cold like the rest of the actors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is, Shaggy's personality is that this is a movie for kids, so we can't say explicitly that he's a stoner. And that's the tension that goes through the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't say in words that Shaggy's a stoner, but that is his personality. Which is funny, because I'll say other things in words. Yeah. That are worse for kids to know about. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got his dog, Scooby, who's a dog who eats food. And can talk. Roll, roll, Raggy! <laughs> roll, boo, roll, boo, roll! <gasps> I don't like listening to uh, Scooby in this movie. I find him maybe more growly than he is in the... Um, in the cartoons. Yeah, he, he is irritating to listen to. In the and also horrifying to watch. Mm. He is a CGI monstrosity. He is. He doesn't look like a dog, really. He, no. He's oddly shaped and like weirdly smooth. Like This wasn't the point at which we could CGI fur effectively. So he just looks off all the time. Yeah. He looks like you're having a fever dream. In a Scooby-Doo movie, you shouldn't have the audience wishing Scooby was dead yeah. every scene. Yeah. That's like the first thing you shouldn't do. Because we should like Scooby-Doo, but I really wanted him to kick the bucket. Yeah. <laughs> On every occasion. Every time I saw him, I wanted to not be seeing him. <laughs> ruh row. Okay, and then I suppose we also have Scrappy-Doo, who was added in to the Scooby-Doo franchise roster of characters. I want to say actually in the 90s, maybe earlier? That sounds about right. I don't really remember him in the old 60s cartoon. Maybe he was part of what's new Scooby-Doo then. I think so. Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly when he was added in, but... No one needs him. No. 
Puppy power. I don't think anyone liked him. I think that's sort of a consensus that no one enjoyed Scrappy-Doo. Yeah. He's a very tiny version of, of Scooby. The movie explains that Scrappy-Doo is not a puppy. He's just a small dog with glandular problems. Yeah. <laughs> so he's an adult dog, but is just small. Yes. Which is odd because he is actually a puppy in the cartoon. Yeah. Well, it's because they use it to justify kicking him out of the mystery for being annoying and leaving him on the side of the road in the desert. Right. Because that would be a bad thing to do to a child. Right. But fine to do to an adult dog who just has glandular problems. Yeah. Yeah, they they do that. This is in the backstory for the first movie that they've at some point kicked Scrappy-Doo out of the gang because he annoys them. You might be thinking, wow, this movie has backstory. It sounds deep. Sounds like there's a lot of plot. Sounds like there's a lot of lore. No. Not particularly. Um, There's not particularly a lot of anything resembling story in either of these films. No. Maybe we could fire through the plot of the first one and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. It won't take us long because it's dumb. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and the second one will take us even less time. Because uh, I, I was astral projecting through, like, the entire thing. I don't know about you. Oh, full, fully. You asked to watch that movie. No. I was, I was also sat in a stupor from eating, like, too much pad thai at the time. <laughs> I uh, wanted for our listeners, our beloved listeners, to give them a quality Double Danger, Double Dip and Dare episode. Because I care about the craft of pandemic podcasting. Yeah? Yeah. So much. So, so much. Yeah. That I was willing to suffer (laughs) for our good friends, mostly the people at Green College. (laughs) Other people listen to us. Like our cousins. Like our cousins. (laughs) (laughs) And our thousands of listeners worldwide. Yeah. Thank you to our fans. We're going to get big, Shannon. We're going to get huge. And then people will listen to our back catalogue and be like, these are so good, why were we sleeping on this? Yeah. They'll listen to us talk about how we astral astral projected through everything. <laughs> listen to us talk about Pennywise the Clown from It and It 2. Mm-hmm. A lot. A lot, a lot. Um, anyway, <laughs> the, the plot of this movie... So, uh, we start with the solving of a mystery, um, classic setup from, like, the cartoons, Mm -hmm. and at the end of it, after they've revealed the bad guy, the gang get into an argument about how they're too settled into their roles and stereotypes, and how some of them don't feel, Velma doesn't feel appreciated, Daphne's annoyed because she's always a damsel in distress, Mm -hmm. Fred is... For some reason, annoyed too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Fred's deal is. But they all quit at once. And leave Shaggy and Scooby with the van. Shaggy and Scooby are not part of the fight and don't want to quit. No. Um, and then it it cuts to two years later. Yeah. I think. it's It's not very many, but it's a couple years later. And Shaggy and Scooby are in the van on a beach. And they get a letter inviting them to go to a theme park island 
and to solve a mystery, but they're not told what the mystery is. Yes, and they're offered um, free food there, which entices them. When they get to the airport, they realize that all of the rest of the gang has also been invited. Mm-hmm. Everyone's annoyed for an entire one minute, and then we go on a very hellish plane ride. Oh, God, yeah. Before we get there, though, the man who comes to bring the letter to Shaggy and Scooby knocks on the van door and is asking if, if they're, he's asking for Shaggy and Scooby, the detectives, and Shaggy's like, we're not detectives anymore, we don't do this, we don't go do spooky things without our friends, because we're afraid. Um, and the man's like, no, no, this isn't to solve a mystery, I'm giving you a prize to go to this island to solve a mystery. And they're like, excuse me, what? And he's like, like, oh, well, we want you to solve a mystery on the island. <laughs> Less than 30 seconds after he said, I promise it's not to solve a mystery. Persuasion 101. <laughs> <laughs> they go anyway. Yeah, they do. They go anyway. Anyway, on the plane ride. <sighs> My issue with the plane ride is not what takes place on the plane, which is that Shaggy meets his girlfriend, who is called Marijuana. Yeah. And I will not elaborate further. <laughs> It's played by Isla Fisher. Yeah. Who who is, it's crazy to have like a bag of weed played by an actress. (laughs) (laughs) It is, and it's crazy that that's in a kid's movie. Yeah. Isla Fisher as marijuana. Wild. (laughs) But Uh, she nails it. She's very talented. No, she, she, she's perfectly dank (laughs) in this role. <laughs> they get to the island. Basically, the the plane ride is like a horrible CGI hellscape. Because for some reason, they don't bring on Scooby as a dog. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about the way it flies through the sky. Oh God, yeah. Which looks like, uh, you know, when you sort of like cross your eyes. Yeah. It's like if you're crossing your eyes and you're staring. In one direction, a, a moving vehicle, like a lorry, mm-hmm. and with one eye at, like, I don't know, a seagull, and mm-hmm. they sort of merge. Mm-hmm. That's how it felt. That's exactly how it looks yeah. as the plane turns to go onto the island. But yes, you're right, Scooby is also horrifying what in the scene. What I was thinking of it was that Shaggy brings Scooby onto the plane dressed as his grandmother. He calls her grandma, and Scooby comes on in a hat and a dress. He's a dog. Dogs are allowed on planes. You're allowed to take dogs, and he's been invited. Yeah. To go to this island. He doesn't need to be disguised. It's a private plane for that island, too. It's got, like, Spooky Island, which is the name of the theme park, on the side of the plane. Yeah. That's where it's going, and he's been (laughs) invited. Why is he in disguise to go on the plane? Spooky Island belongs to Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Who's in this movie, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. Because it's a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the mystery that needs solving is that there's these groups of teens who they they go missing overnight and then they return to their friends the next day and they seem brainwashed. They're using weird slang, and they don't recognize their friends, and it's just kind of weird. What's going on? Can you guys figure it out? 
but we're not going to launch an investigation formally or shut down the island theme park. That's going to keep happening. Yeah. So then the plot just sort of just happens and keeps on happening. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It is <laughs> it is a series of events that we probably don't need to go into in much detail. I feel like we can mostly just skip to what is happening on the island. Yeah. I mean, basically, they go through a bunch of the the things. One of the big main rides in it is, like, a big haunted castle that's been closed up. And they find a lot of clues in secret rooms in this haunted castle ride. And eventually put together the craziest plot... Mm, yes. And it's that these monsters are being put into the teenagers' bodies and the teenagers' souls are being, ex- or ectoplasms, sorry. Protoplasms. Protoplasms, not even ectoplasms, has, have been removed and thrown in a pot like, like a cauldron full of floating faces. Like in Disney's Hercules, all the souls in hell. <laughs> Tartarus. Uh, sorry. But it's just faces in a yeah. big cauldron. And so all of the all of the teens are now goblin creatures. Yes. And we we know that this happens because it happens to to Fred and Velma, the early victims of this process. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Velma and Shaggy basically immediately figure out what's going on mm-hmm. and release their spirits back into the wild, mm-hmm. uh, where we get some, the uh, body swapping bits. Jesus. There's a device that allows people to switch their souls between mm-hmm. bodies. Yeah. So when they set Velma and Fred off, Fred accidentally ends up in Velma's body. Daphne's. Daphne's body. Yeah, because Daphne is also incapacitated. Yeah. It's Fred, Velma, and Daphne who get got. Yeah, initially. And then they all meet up in the wrong bodies in the middle of the jungle and with Shaggy just swap their souls a bunch of times. Until they get the right ones. And this, 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 this is not done well (laughs) Because it's basically an opportunity for the male characters to be like, ha ha ha, I've got boobies. Look (laughs) at my boobies. I want to touch myself up. I think Fred, when he's in Daphne's body, is like, I want to get naked in front of a mirror. And I'm not even kidding. That's a line. That's the line is, yeah, I can look at myself naked is the line. Guys. Because that's not a nice thing to do to your friend. Like. We're having, we're going through a trauma right now, but do you know what we can do is ethically questionable things. If I got my soul sucked into a friend's body, I would not be like, I'm going to look at myself naked. That's not the thing that the head goes to in that moment. I would do a series of hilarious pranks (laughs) with that person's body. What what hilarious pranks? It depends on the person. Oh God. Well, okay. If you were, if you and I swapped, 
This is the natural way this is going to go. <laughs> what would you do? I would make a series of YouTube videos talking about how much I loved BBC's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> and how much I loved the character Snape from Harry Potter and think he's a good man. And I would... I would just run around town being crazy. That last one is less bad than the first two. Yeah, that's when I run out of ideas. That's when I'm running out of time. I'm assuming this thing happens on a timer. Like a Freaky Friday sort of thing. Yeah. Like maybe it's a weekly, a, a week I've got. Yeah. I've got, I need to put time into making these YouTube videos. That's true. Um, and there's maybe some... Some stuff I could do with facial recognition technology, but I mean, really, I just want. To, what would you do with me? Hmm. Could you also make sure that I run three times a week if this happens? Yes. Because I'm trying to do that, and I'm trying to keep my body good. We could we could make sure I continue to run three times a week. When when in history is this happening? When in our lives? Let's just say like when post- lockdown is over. Okay. See, I I feel like I would use my my ticket. Uh, to get a chance to go to the Arctic, because that's very cool. Hang on a second. <laughs> but this is a Freaky Friday thing. Yeah, but I'm already in the Arctic, so... This has got to... Well, how does Freaky Friday happen? I don't know. Don't we need to be in the same place for this? You'd need to make sure this happened the week that I was setting off, in yeah. which case you're going to have to spend most of your time in Vancouver. Oh, that's unfortunate. Hmm. If you get me killed by a polar bear... Uh, first of all, that would kill me. That would kill my body. Mm-hmm. But what would that do to your soul? Would I already be out by then? How does this work? Let's say you were in the Arctic. Let's say you we Freaky Friday'd and I was in the Arctic. Yeah. And then get eaten by a polar bear. Yeah. A.K.A. my body but your soul gets eaten by a polar bear. Then would you just be stuck in my body saying nice things about BBC Dracula for the rest of your life? Well, would your soul escape? Would your soul ping back to you and I would die? This is an interesting ethical quandary. Ethical, existential quandary. They should do a Freaky Friday Arctic edition. Yeah. I would like half the characters in this movie to be in the Arctic, but none of the movie to be set in the Arctic. <laughs> um, they just half of them just get on the wrong plane. <laughs> More, the moral of that bit is that you don't have to check out your friend's tits if you body swap with them. No, you don't have to. Granted, it wouldn't be a novelty for either of us. No. We know how that do feel. Yeah. You know what I would do if I body swapped with you is I would get a tattoo. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I don't like uh, needles all that much, so... I mean, you could get a crazy tattoo, that's a thing. I think like a rubber duck. I wouldn't mind that. Just like a tramp stamp, but a rubber duck. That'd be really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, also, meanwhile, Scooby-Doo has been captured by Rowan Atkinson... Mm. Because um, the monsters need to sacrifice a pure soul in order to conglomerate the power of all of the souls 
to create some sort of all-powerful being. Yes. Um, and when we get to the point where Scooby is going to be sacrificed and the whole gang is there to save him in various capacities, uh, it is revealed in the scuffle that the person orchestrating all of this is not, in fact, Rowan Atkinson. It is Scrappy-Doo in a Rowan Atkinson robot. Yeah, he is inside the chest of Rowan Atkinson. (laughs) And Iron Man style has this sort of device connected to his chest that sucks up all of the souls, Mm -hmm. and he becomes absolutely swole. (laughs) His giant, throbbing, veiny, pulsing... It's like Did a, I mention a throbbing? He's like a cartoon dinosaur crossed with a bodybuilder. Oh, God. Like, just gross looking in every respect. Yeah. And he sort of inflates like a balloon. Oh, yeah, and the sound effects are like... Like a balloon going... Can we take a moment to talk about sound effects in general in these two movies? Yeah. Because I hate them. Yeah. Whoever was in charge of the sound effects for these movies, take a look at your choices. The sound mixer's nickname, according to the credits, is Salty. Mm. I don't remember the rest of this person's name. I'm salty about Salty's choices with the sound. <laughs> As everything that happens sounds disgusting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so much farting and, like, dry heaving. Yeah. And even just, like, general motion sounds are too loud or just kind of, like, the sounds of things squishing or whatever. Yeah, there's too many... Okay, I'm gonna get real specific. There's too many sounds in this movie that sound as though... A condom that is too small being fitted. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Anyway, Scrappy-Doo goes on a rampage and gets defeated by the gang. And he, he becomes less swole and becomes tiny again. And they save the day. They pull uh, Rowan Atkinson for realsies, out of the ground. He's been locked up by Scrappy-Doo for two years mm-hmm. and um, is grateful to have been released. And uh, that's the end of the movie. So the plot of the second one is really pretty simple. Starts with them all being invited to like a gala to a museum opening where it's got all the suits of people they've unmasked on display. Because mm-hmm. in, in the cartoon, it was always like a creature in a, a person in a mask and they pull off the mask at the end and are like, this is who the monster was. So all of those suits from the cartoon are all in a museum. Which I think is a fun gimmick. That's a fun gimmick. And it's nice because they are all like actual things you can recognize if you watched the cartoon a lot as a kid. So nostalgically, that's kind of fun. And the the premise of the movie is that someone has built a machine that will turn all of the suits into real monsters. Uh, So they end up having to fight all of these things again, but when they go to, like, pull the helmet or the mask off, it's not a mask anymore. It's actually a ghost or a creature. And in the end, it's 
revealed that the person doing this is one of the people they sent to prison for. And he escaped from Azkaban. Yeah, he escaped from Azkaban to uh, seek his revenge. Yes. And that's really the whole plot. There's not much else to it. Why did this movie last five years? (laughs) And why is the quarantine still happening five years in? Yeah. More to the point. This is ridiculous. And we spent so much of it watching this movie. Why are we still out of plain flour? Five years in. It's all that goddamn sourdough. Yes. And the mother culture truly is at large now in the year 2025. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a whole plot in the, the second one about them mystery kind of losing... Losing standing in the public eye because the first of the ghosts shows up at this museum opening and they can't stop it. Um, so the the paparazzi kind of has at them and that's a whole thing. And Shaggy and Scooby have a thing where they think it's their fault because it is. Yeah. And they they feel like they don't belong on the team, so they go try to solve the mystery themselves. But so very little success. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, we mentioned the paparazzi. The main news anchor in uh, Vancouver, a.k.a. Coolsville, is this blonde woman, and she is the villain the whole time. It's horrifying. When they pull the mask off at the end, they pull the mask off her, the news anchor, and it's this crazy guy from prison underneath. Yeah, they pull off her face. It's, yeah, it's very gross. Yeah. The second one is like Arya Stark. Yeah. When she's got the faces that she's sliced. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Arya Stark slices faces off in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. She is a face slicer. It is very much like that. And there's not... Yeah, there's not a lot to the second movie. I mean, there's not a lot to the first movie either, but there (laughs) is a plot. Something that's interesting, I think, about both of these movies is that the gimmick of the cartoon was pretty consistently that the the monster was never a monster. It was a person in a mask. Yeah. And in both of these movies, there's actual magic. In the second one, it's science. I'm doing quotation fingers here. Yeah. These are all lab-produced monsters. Mm -hmm. But in the first one, yeah, there's full monsters. Yeah. Um, So that's weird. Yeah, you're right. I think in some of the later cartoon movies, there's, like, actual magic and things like that. But in the, like, the original 60s cartoon, it was always just a person. Yeah. So it's interesting that both movies are, have basically magic in them. Yeah. And it's a shame they had actual monsters, because the monsters looked horrible in CGI. Yeah. Especially in the first one. Since you watched District 9 last night, I can now <sighs> say that what I was thinking when you were watching Scooby-Doo the first one, yeah. but knew you wouldn't get the reference at that point in time, the monsters look like the aliens from District 9. They look like the prawns. They do, actually. But worse. Yeah. Yeah, they're... Oh. Sorry. Don't remind me. Oh my god. <laughs> Don't watch District 9 if you value uh, 
not being grossed out. If you have a weak stomach or are sensitive to body horror, do not watch District 9. No. If you value your time, don't watch Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I warned you. On both occasions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the monsters in the first one are, are really weird looking. And they move strangely and... They're all sinewy. Yeah. They look kind of like beef jerky. <laughs> the real monster, I think, in both these movies is um, heteronormativity. Yeah. <laughs> and toxic masculinity. And is it, you know, our old enemies? Yeah. Gender norms. Gender norms <laughs> are another one. Um, and uh, anti-nerd bias. <laughs> poor Velma. Poor, poor, sweet Velma. Okay, in the first movie, there's a lot of scenes between Velma and Fred mm-hmm. where I'm thinking... Oh, some chemistry's going on over here. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're gonna subvert my expectations and get those two hooked up. Because it is steamy. In the cartoon, it's implied that Fred and Daphne are together, but, but it's never movie, really explicit. I don't think. No, and in the movies, there is no indication throughout the movie at all. Um, and then in the last scene of the first movie. I'm thinking, this is it. Fred and Velma are maybe going to share a cute little scene. But no, Daphne shows up and they just make out. Yeah, Fred, Fred and, and Velma are having like a little moment where they're talking. And then Fred's like, I appreciate you. And then just walks away, finds Daphne, and they make out. It's really <laughs> strange. <laughs> the same thing happens in the second movie. Yeah. Fred and Daphne... There's no evidence that they're going out until the last scene when again yeah. they look at each other and make out. What? It It's so out of left field in both movies. They have almost no scenes together in either film. Yeah. And <laughs> it's and I said this to you <laughs> watching. In the second movie, there's, like, weird, like, scenes where it's almost hinting at Velma and Daphne having some chemistry as well. Even though, like, Velma's sort of, like, vaguely dating some potentially evil nerd science guy. Like, that's, you know, pushed to this... I I, I was like, she's going to end up with... Well, no, I didn't think she was going to end up with Fred in this movie because she had very few Fred scenes. Yeah. But, but I sort of think, no, I don't usually go around shipping thruples. A thruple is three people in a couple, mm-hmm. and a shipping is wanting them to be together in a fictional way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so when I say I want, I'm shipping a thruple here, I think there's, you know, there's grounds for me to suggest that Velma, Daphne, and Fred should be together romantically. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I think it's there. It's... The way romance is handled in these movies is very strange and abrupt. Yeah. So it's really hard for anything to get built up. And it is very weird that Velma and Fred are the only ones who have anything resembling an arc in that vein in the first movie. And it just... 
he just ends up with Daphne kind of randomly because the writers were like suddenly remembered that he's dating Daphne in the cartoons and we're like, oh shit. <laughs> and then that happened again in the second one. Like, right, they're in love. Like, are they? Um, it's hard to be in love with someone who has no personality. It's it's very difficult. Um, but of course, Fred has an arc in the second one, which is that he is afraid to talk about his feelings and he only wants to do action. And that arc starts two-thirds of the way through the movie and ends ten minutes after that. <laughs> That's how you do character development, folks. Yeah, you don't start anything at the beginning. That's silly. People will forget. Yep. It's weird. It's like... Because I think they tried to do character development a bit earlier on with... Velma and Daphne. Velma's whole arc in that movie is that she just needs to be authentically herself if she wants to date. She shouldn't try to be some sort of jet-setting international woman of mystery. Mm-hmm. And Daphne's arc is that she's more than just a pretty face. Mm-hmm. Is that really an arc? No. No. Daphne gets... Uh, this is why I think the the casting of Sarah Michelle Gellar really affected their decision-making for Daphne. In the, um, in the first movie, after the two-year time skip, she comes back being like, I learned a bunch of martial arts, and I'm strong now. Yeah. And that's the only beat her character gets for the rest of the two movies, is that she can now do martial arts and beat people up sometimes. Mmm. Which is not a strictly illegitimate move for her character. I was like, this is this is a good thing to build on. But they don't do anything with it. It goes nowhere. Yeah. They're just like, look, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is playing Daphne. Good for us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not explored well. And I just remembered something I wanted to talk, to, talk about, which is racism. The movie, the first movie... Oh, yeah, yeah. does some racisms. There's a lot of scenes for no good reason where there's a a black man doing voodoo and confusing Daphne and being confused by Daphne. It's meant to be hilarious. It's just racist. It's, yeah, it serves no real purpose in the plot either. Like, don't really get any... I don't know his name... Or what he's doing there. He doesn't work on the island that is entirely a theme park. But he's just doing voodoo. Also, a lot of the... um, The stuff on the island is... It's culturally appropriative, but in a way that is so vague, I couldn't quite pinpoint what they were attempting to appropriate. Yeah, exactly. It's never quite clear... (laughs) Who they're doing dirty. But it's everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not so bad in the second movie. Yeah. You got Scooby-Doo wearing an afro at one point for a prolonged scene. Yeah. Uh, wearing an afro I'd, wig. I'd block that out, but you're right. <laughs> um, um, it's just like your typical like early 2000s nonsense movie. Everything's in there for, like, cheap, very inappropriate gags. 
And I, I think the fact that, like, every joke is the cheapest possible joke makes any part of the movie that attempts to be heartfelt fall completely flat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just remembering the bit where um, Shaggy and Scooby find a refrigerator full of oh. potions, oh like, chemi- like vials of chemicals that, like, transform, can transform people into monsters. Yeah. And, like... Just a bunch of disturbing... Like, Scooby-Doo turns into the Tasmanian Devil for a while, uh, turns into a genius old man. Mm-hmm. Um, Shaggy gets swole and gets really buff and very disturbingly drinks something that makes his head stay the same, but, like, the rest of his body, like, I don't know, he has massive boobs. Yeah, and it... <laughs> Like, it and changes they, his outfit, too. squeaky noise. It becomes a crop top, his t-shirt. Yeah, and I don't know how the CGI was done, but it's like they superimposed his head onto someone else's body. So the <laughs> way that he moves is bizarre. Because the, the body and the head are moving slightly out of sync. And he's bending very strangely. Yeah. So the whole scene is very unsettling. Well, you know, Shannon, it is the law. But if you've got boobs, you must be wearing a crop top. That That's true. I know I'm breaking the law quite severely right now. Actually, you are too. I'm not seeing a crop top. Oh, I know. I left my crop Shannon. tops are in the wash. Oh, no. How... It's a good job we're, we're not being seen in public right now. Because... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How will anyone know that we've got boobs? No, no one will be able to tell. Also, this movie is the... <laughs> The composer is podcast favorite David Newman. At it again, David. One of the many musical Newmans. They're like the Jackson 5, but they're all famous. <laughs> and there's more than five of them, there's I think. There's so many, and they compose apparently every movie soundtrack. And David Newman composes all the worst movies out there in the world. Yep. Including Cat in a Hat. Yep. The same song, background music you'll hear in Cat in a Hat. Also in this movie. Yeah, and any any songs that are like actual titled songs that would have been on the charts are the most early 2000s music. Yeah. It's like if you put every 2000s pop star in a blender <laughs> and spat out a song. I don't get anything that happened in the early 2000s. Why was our hair like that? Why were we dressing with like a long-sleeved shirt with a baggy t-shirt over the top of that it's an excellent question with like really baggy jeans with a bunch of pockets why did we do that i remember doing it i definitely did as well why it looked awful i wore overalls for a while in the early 2000s yeah that was my look and i had a lot of cargo pants cargo pants yeah I had pants that zipped off into shorts as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I have those for field work. They're quite functional. But I wouldn't wear them for fashion. Mm-hmm. But they were the height of fashion in early 2000s yeah. elementary school. And all the, the, the boys in this the first movie, the teen boys, have, like, hedgehog-looking, like, spiked frosted oh, tips. Oh, yes, frosted tips. Oh, frosted tips. tips. 
<laughs> they all looked so totally cool and radical, and they all had skateboards. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Heelys as well. Oh my god. For those of you who don't know, Heelys were big, clunky, ugly running shoes with a single roller skate wheel in the heel, and no, you could not take it out. <laughs> Sometimes they'd light up, too. They were, they were a hazard. The amount of kids I saw, like, fall and hurt their backs <laughs> doing Constantly. that. I was a big fan of um, poorly made scooters, mm. and I would scoot too quick. I'd scoot too close to the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd try and do tricks. I'd try and do that thing where you lean forward on your scooter and try to do a sort of like wheelie thing Mm -hmm. on the front but that always just made me fall on my face that's doing something like that is how my brother had to get stitches at one point (laughs) (laughs) the early 2000s is a cultural wasteland of a time it's just nuts and it's not like no it is worse than now yeah (laughs) and I also think we should mention the writer of these films mm. is James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> what happened in the early 2000s? The early 2000s, everyone's <laughs> brain was just melted for a couple of years. God, I wish my brain could be melted now. Mm-hmm. I'm acutely aware of all things. Yeah. I don't want to be. I'd like to be less aware, just yeah. in general, in my life. I felt. M- like I was more drunk as a kid in the early 2000s than I am now as an adult in quarantine. And that's saying something. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> We're living wild lives in the early 2000s. I also think that... So you can look back at fashion trends from different decades in the past, in, in, in recent history, and see some duds, mm-hmm. like flares. Yeah. But also appreciate the look. Like, mm-hmm. I appreciate the look of the 60s. I appreciate some 80s looks. Mm-hmm. I appreciate some late 90s looks. Mm-hmm. There's nothing redeemable that I can think of from, I would say, 1999 through 2006. Yeah, those were some rough years for looks. And maybe I'm just thinking back negatively on that time because... That was when I was a kid and experimenting with what I was wearing slash wearing a lot of hand-me-downs. But I genuinely think it was a bad time for fashion. I think every time we watch a movie from that era, that holds up that it was a bad era for fashion. Yeah. Because I was also, I was wearing some hand-me-downs and just any general fashion choice that I made was a bad one. But I think all of the movies suggest that that's just the way that things were. Yeah, I remember really liking, um, like, people would crimp their hair, but there was also a sort of, like, threaded thing you could do mm-hmm. with, like, a tiny strand of your hair you'd thread around. Not, not like a dreadlock, that's not what I mean, but, like, you'd put, like, string all around it and some beads at the end. Yep, I used to do that. But I only when to... you went on holiday. If, if, you'd, if you went on, like, a holiday somewhere warm, say, to the Canary Islands, you'd get, you'd come back and you'd have one of those stringy things on your hair and you'd be like, hey, have you seen Bethany, for example? Have you seen Bethany? She must have gone on holiday because she's sporting a tan and she has some thread in her hair. So I, I'm thinking of something different where it was a bit of a style to have like a braid, but then instead of an elastic at the bottom, a bunch of string, oh. like colored string and then some beads. 
So I used to do that with, like, one really thin braid, like I was Anakin Skywalker in the Star Wars prequels. Um, oh, so it wouldn't be from the top to the bottom, it would just be the end. Yeah, uh, the string would just be at the end. I had a hair crimper, I was crimping my hair in those years. <laughs> I had a perm briefly. Oh, um, I had a lot of butterfly clips, sparkly butterfly I clips. I had a ton of butterfly clips. <laughs> I had, um... I don't know what they're even called. Like, fingerless gloves, but that went up to my elbow. Oh, God, That were black. Oh, no. Yeah. You were a little baby goth. I was. I was a little baby goth. Those were my peak goth years. (laughs) I want... uh, That was when I was wearing a lot of blue lipstick. I wasn't allowed to dye my hair black because my mom wouldn't let me. Um, I also uh, was wearing a lot of leg warmers. Oh, yeah. You were wearing... Fun leggings to go with those leg warmers? No, I would wear them over jeans. Mm, Shannon. <laughs> we all make mistakes. I made a lot of fashion mistakes in the early 2000s. You're not alone. Just, I had a lot of sparkly jelly shoes. Mm, I never had any of those, but that was not through lack of trying. Actually, I stand by that. I would rock mm. a pair of jelly shoes right now. I badly wanted Heelys. That was my mm. thing, and my mom said no because... I once split my chin open bowling, so I don't think I could have been trusted with foot wheels. No. (laughs) No. Danger shoes were not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Uh, I was a big fan of the game Bop It. I had a Bop It. Very annoying. Bop It. (laughs) Twist it. (laughs) Flick it. (laughs) Pull it. And my parents would get frustrated with me playing it, but they were the ones who bought it, so it sucks to be there. I had I had a Furby and a Tamagotchi mm-hmm. during these times. The Furby um, took up residence underneath my bed, and for many years afterward, if I moved a box or something under the bed, sometimes it would hit the Furby, and it would say, I love you. It was the scariest oh thing in the world. They were awful. I had a Shelby, which is the clam version of a Furby that people often forget existed, but they are horrifying. They are. And I remember doing surgery on one because it kept on, yeah, being like, I love you. A couple months ago, right after I moved to Edinburgh, actually, my mother was cleaning out the basement and she sent me a photo of a bag of stuffed animals sitting on the floor in the middle of the basement. And she said... In the caption, what's in this? What's in here? And I was like, I don't know. I think they're mine. And she was like, it just talked at me. <laughs> and she opened it up, and it turned out that there was my Furby in there that was still talking. <laughs> it's oh been a decade Everything or more. Was so demonic from that time. <laughs> my dad once went on a business trip, and he brought me back this dog that if you pressed a button on it, it was like this sort of like fuzzy dog. It wasn't mm-hmm. quite a soft toy, but it was fuzzy on the outside. Mm-hmm. You pressed its stomach and it went, Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 <laughs> and I love that song because I thought it was about dogs <laughs> instead of ugly women. Which is what the song's mm-hmm. about. It's a horrible song. It's yeah. so sexist. Um, no woman is ugly. Yeah. Shannon, do you think the Scooby-Doo movies... I'm going to lump them into one, because I don't think they're very different. Yeah. Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed. Accursed, blessed, or blessed? They're cursed. 
I was hoping for a blurst. I really was. Uh, the cartoons are, are close to my heart, but these movies are fully cursed. Yeah. There's no nutritional value there. <laughs> what do you think, Elise? Yeah, no, I knew they were going to be cursed. I, I remembered too much from, uh, from the first one. I just remembered the bit where, with the boobs, and I, I just, no. I feel like every time I watch one of these movies, it removes some of my lifespan, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm a, a hundred and on my deathbed, I'll be thinking about all the, the good times I spent you know, on this, on this earth. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor will come in and be like, Elise, don't worry, you're not going to die after all because we've finally figured out how to put people's brains into, um, into upload them onto the cloud to become robots. Mm-hmm. And I've, as you know, I've always wanted that for myself. I've always wanted to become a robot. Yeah. But, and then, then the doctor will be like, listen, we're going to come in with the technology in a minute, just sit tight, don't die in the next five minutes, we need you. And that's when I'll remember these early 2000s movies. Yeah. It'll be, yeah, Turn of the Millennium, Cat in a Hat, yeah, um, Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. Stuart Little. They're all just going to come back into my head mm-hmm. and I'll just instantly die. And I'll lose, on my, I'll lose out on my chance of becoming a cloud robot. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to happen. And that's the sacrifice we make for our listeners. Yes. Every day. I'd be a really cool robot. You'd be a great robot. You would too. Thank you. I've always thought that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So now we know not to watch blessed movies. Uh, Yeah, so we're we're just going to stick with stuff that makes our eyes bleed. Yeah, I think we're safe to tell people what we're watching next week, because I think it's going to be interesting, Mm -hmm. unlike Frozen and Tangled. Yeah. Do you want to go for this? This was your idea. Long time coming. Yes, so um, I've, I've finally convinced... Elise to watch two of the four uh, Batman movies from I think the 90s. I don't actually know when they're from. Starting with Tim Burton's Batman and I think we're going to do Batman Returns. Uh, But I want to leave it loose in case we decide to maybe do Batman and Robin or uh, Batman Forever instead. Brace yourselves listeners. Shannon is a massive nerd. I'm so hyped for this. She's such a nerd. On, On my... 21st birthday um whichever year the lego batman movie came out uh it came out on my birthday all of my friends took me to the theater uh to see the lego batman movie and then the next year we did a marathon of these movies we're gonna watch next week uh for my birthday I'm very excited. (laughs) Pray for me, listeners. (laughs) Until then, have a great quarantine. You know, if you're bored and you're at home and you want something to listen to and uh, you want to reconnect with your old pals, Elise and Shannon, that's us, by the way. Those are our names. You can listen to more of this podcast by searching Cursed or Blurst into the Google. We're on most reasonable places that you can uh, access podcasts, but mm-hmm. not on SoundCloud, because I don't trust them. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, I just do not trust SoundCloud. Uh, and I won't explain why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, we're also on Instagram, and that is the only social media site that we are on. 
Yes. The only one. Yes, it Don't is. try and find our Twitter because I've forgotten our password. <laughs> <laughs> Firefox logged me out and then I can't even remember what which email I used. Follow us on Instagram. We're on Instagram. And yeah, stay safe, stay sane. Try and stay sane. Don't do what we did. Don't watch Scooby-Doo. Yeah, find a better use for your time. Happy birthday, Lois. Thanks, Lois.